Hopefully you don't have to worry about what you're going to do with the truck then. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good to you.
Thank you, Tammy. That was beautiful. Good evening and welcome to Stony Creek United Methodist Church. I am Pastor Michael, and this is our Ash Wednesday service. I feel kind of lopsided. Everybody's on this side of the room. Um, tonight we're going to, to celebrate Ash Wednesday with the imposition of ashes, and there'll be more information and direction on that uh, a little bit later. Um, so we can do it in a safe, uh, safe way for everyone. Um, do we have anything we need to tell them about before Sunday? I just want to say thank you. Thank you for everyone who helped with um, the food gatherers distribution. From Dave and Chris who helped load the car and Fonda and Gina and, and <laughs> uh, Will Zufall is a hoot. <laughs> he gets little ways of arranging the food to make food ideas for meals. So, And the families are so appreciative. I know Fonda and Gina can speak to that, how, how they are really, really utilizing the pantry. So thank you for that. Excellent news. All right. Um, well, I'd ask you to turn your hearts and your minds towards a, a time of worship and praise of our God. Um, and invite you to turn to your bulletins as we begin our service. Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of the Lent season, a time when we aspire to make some room for deeper introspection and practices that will draw us into the love and assurance of faith. But sometimes faith can feel not as assured as we hoped for, we can feel less than, perceiving that others seem to be able to be more faithful in their practices and beliefs. This lens, rather than change for the best, will seek to gain momentum one day at a time to reach for a faith that is never perfect, but it is good enough.
Let us pray together if you would join me in our call on God. Holy One, merciful God, make yourself known to us. Be present with us in this often troubled journey of life. Create in us hearts that are open to transformation. Give us the patience of practice in this Lent season, ordering our days with time enough for you. Amen. If you would please turn to hymn number 451 um, and join us in singing Be Thou My Vision and please rise as you are able. seated. Uh, just as a way to hopefully make this all uh, easy and smooth, anywhere in your bulletin where the text is bolded, that is uh, where you are invited to uh, read that aloud uh, with me when we're in that, at that point. Jesus used the word hypocrite to describe those who put on airs in public to make people believe that they were holy that their religious practice was, well, perfect. But their hearts were actually not in the practice, rather in the rewards that public approval could bring them, which is here today, often gone tomorrow. Sometimes it is life itself that robs us of the shiny, perfect life that we had planned for ourselves. A diagnosis, a broken heart, a lost opportunity. What places in your life and faith could you begin to loose from the change of perfectionism? Let us take a moment of silent reflection.
hear this compassionate word from the prophet Isaiah. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Know that already God is offering us freedom from the bonds of perfectionism, inviting us to break the yoke of what should be, so that we might discover what might be when we honor the small steps that are actually possible in this moment for this one day. And know that despite our sometimes faltering steps, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are being forgiven even now. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. You may see something now in your bulletin that you probably haven't seen in what feels like an eternity. The peace, or sometimes referred to as the passing of the peace. In days before the pandemic, this is something we might have celebrated with hugs and handshakes. But in an effort again to keep everyone safe, I would like to invite you to rise and take a moment or two to offer blessings of peace to those around you. If both of you are comfortable, you can, of course, do a fist bump. The other uh, one that I have learned uh, is one person puts their arm this way, I'm sorry, this way, and the other this way, and you make the sign of the cross. Um, You can do the peace sign, a wave, whatever you might be feeling tonight. Um, But I ask you to please keep your masks on and keep a respectable distance. Um, But please take a few moments now and bless one another with the peace of God. All right, our first reading for tonight comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20b, which is the second half of verse 20, uh, to chapter 6, verse 10. You can find this in the Pew Bibles on page 1145, hopefully. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an acceptable time, I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation, I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way through great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God. With the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well known, as dying and see we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. A word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. I invite you to rise again as you are able for our next hymn, number 357, Just As I Am Without One Plea.
You may be seated. Our second reading you can find on page 960 in your hymnal Bibles. We are in the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter, verses 1 through 6, and then continuing at 16 through 21. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. If you would please join me in an attitude of prayer. Amazing God who continues to love us even when we do not always love you back. We begin our Lenten journey this night. We are tired. We are weak. We are worn out. But we know that you walk with us now and always. Help us to be at peace, if only for a few fleeting moments, and to be able to focus on the words of Scripture and the words of this message. May it touch our hearts and minds. May it inspire us, help us, lead us to know and learn the truths of ourselves and of you. And now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts together in this place, be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good evening once again to you all. Tonight on this Ash Wednesday, we are beginning a journey into Lent. And during the season, we're going to be following a new sermon series called Good Enough. This series was put together by Kate Bowler, the author of the book by uh, the same name, good enough, uh, in collaboration with the Worship Design Studio led by Marsha McPhee. 
together and with the help of a few others, they put together this all-inclusive resource for pastors and worship teams to use. As for the sermons, they have provided some ideas and concepts, some background and research, but the messages are still very, are very much still fully crafted by uh, the pastors in each church who may be making use of this resource. What that means is that the message that you're going to hear tonight from me might differ in some ways from the message given by another pastor who is following and using the same series, which I think is an important thing because each pastor can craft their specific message to their congregation and ministry context, but we can all still work with the same overarching themes for Lent and for each week. So let's begin our journey into the season of Lent and just see where we go. Now, some of you may be wondering what the title of the series, Good Enough, is all about. The full title is actually Good Enough, Embracing the Imperfections of Life and Faith. And I truly believe that the messages in this series could not be more appropriate for us to hear especially today in the context of how we find our world. While the level of expectation and pressure to keep up or measure up or build up have always been high, again, it, it just seems to me they're even higher now than maybe they have ever been. We find ourselves trying to ease back into a hopefully but maybe not quite just yet post-ish pandemic world. And the exhaustion that probably all of us are feeling is real. Even so, we also find those expectations are again creeping up, trying to nudge us towards some vision of a, a good life that is defined by society. The problem continues to be that that the vision is not always, if ever, realistic or even possible. The reality is that stuff happens right in the middle of our carefully laid out plans to be better, better, best. It's true. Life happens and the ensuing disappointment and feelings of of not measuring up can often often leave us thinking that the lives we are living are somehow less than the comparison of or attention to status is seemingly hardwired into our brains maybe even as some part of our human survival system Studies have shown, though, that status and anxiety about status mediated by stress hormones can contribute to health problems like cardiovascular disease and weakened immune systems. That's from a PBS NewsHour piece. And the ramifications of unhealthy attention to social status have serious mental and public health consequences. The ramifications of unhealthy attention to social status also have serious spiritual consequences. 
So just what is a good enough attitude towards life and faith, you might be wondering. I am someone who tends to be a perfectionist and hold very high expectations of myself. I find myself challenged by the idea that I am missing out on some joy and delight that exists right now in my life rather than when X, Y, or Z has come to pass. I'm also challenged that I might also be missing out on a deeper experience of my faith by slipping into thinking that even God expects me to earn love through productivity. And believe me, I do see the irony in admitting all of this. But pastor, what about grace? You know about grace. You preach about grace to us pretty much every week. Don't you know that you don't have to earn God's love? That's what you always tell us. And you would be right. I do know that. But I do truly live, or the question is, but do I truly live in the freedom of that belief? Or am I falling victim to do as I say, not as I do? We do not have the kind of time we would need to truly dissect all of the reasons that I may fall into this trap. But that being said, I know that I am not alone in living this convoluted reality. Something that we're not always willing to admit or acknowledge is that when life seems to go off the rails, we can begin to believe that, that we are the problem The truth is, though, that sometimes circumstances are outside of our control and rob us of of the shiny, perfect life that we have so carefully planned. As I said earlier, things like an unexpected diagnosis, things like a broken heart, things like lost opportunities— The truth is we must learn to live inside of a life that may not be perfectible. You know, one of the most counterintuitive parts of the Christian tradition is its emphasis on on progress when when it does not believe in absolute perfection. We have to remember Jesus alone is perfect, and yet we... We are asked to try and try and try again. I don't pretend that I or anyone else most likely will ever be able to settle centuries of of Christian debate about just how good we are. I will say that I believe it is somewhere between the two poles of everything and nothing. It's important to acknowledge and live into the reality that Perfection for us is impossible. However, transformation is not. So this Lent, rather than trying to change for the best, we will instead seek to gain momentum one day at a time. As Kate Bowler writes, we will try to reach for a faith that is never perfect, but is good enough. Really quickly, here are a few signs I'd like to share with you that 
you may have fallen into the perfectibility paradigm. First, you look at other people and fantasize about how your future self will also be amazing at some magical thing that is to be admired. Another sign is that you are deeply frustrated by yourself when you are not able to stick with something. Another is that you stay too long in the self-help section of the bookstore, all the while wondering if there is a secret to being better. Finally, you find yourself confused about whether faith is a free solo experience. And by the way, it is not. You are a group project. Someone once shared an amazingly profound thought that I want to share with all of you tonight. They shared that we should stop looking for the perfect church. Go worship a perfect God today with a congregation of flawed people who need grace as much as you do. When I read that for the first time, the world almost seemed to stand still. Time kind of froze. While I am an advocate that every person should work to find a faith community that works best for them based on where they are in their life and their faith journey, this idea offers a very good point. No church is perfect. No churchgoer is perfect. No pastor is perfect. Although if you've been attending here or at Clinton United Methodist Church in the last two years, you already know that. Let us venture back, though, to part of our reading from Matthew's Gospel. And I want to specifically look at verses 16, 20, and 21. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus uses the word hypocrite here to describe the people who would would put on airs in in public to try and make others believe that they themselves were were holy and their religious practices were, were perfect. The problem, though, is that for those people their hearts weren't really in the practice, but rather in the rewards that public approval could bring them. And the problem with those rewards, as I said earlier, is that they might be here today, but more often than not, they are gone tomorrow. Have any of you ever stopped to think what we perceive as the right way to practice our faith may not actually be what truly is a meaningful practice for us. When we get right down to it, there are so many spiritual disciplines, and when we get hung up on the right way so that we can check some faithful box— well, then we're neglecting the real reason for spiritual practice. 
we're neglecting to actually bring ourselves through those practices into closer relationship with the divine. That is the true treasure in heaven. It's the center of union with God. But let's look a little bit more at this passage. What are the moths, rust, and thieves that that rob us of our wholehearted lives? Could it be that we become hypocrites by playing roles and living up to expectations that are not authentically supporting our well-being? The Greek word, which I'm going to butcher, I apologize, uh, tampion, or what that refers to is the closet that Jesus talks about in this passage in other translations, other than just go in your room, but go into this closet that Jesus tells us to pray in, is the inner room of a house, um, like a storeroom. It's small and private. And it took me a little while to fully understand this, but when I did, I have to be honest, I really loved the idea That if we go into our closet, whatever that space may be, and pray, we are actually doing God's will. And I love that because it can help remind us that we can prepare for our day in the inner sanctum of our homes before beginning the busyness of our day. So tonight, I want to entreat you every day to pray. Prepare for your day with God. You can pray while you're in the shower or shaving as long as you can multitask. We don't want any accidents. While you're fixing your hair, again, if you can multitask. As you get yourself dressed, remember the words of Romans chapter 13, verse 14, that say, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the words of Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, put on compassion, patience, forgiveness, love, and be thankful Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. But of course, I remind you that we are not perfect, and our faith is not perfect. The good news is that both are good enough for the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are reminded in the ritual of ashes that we are, are part of the dust and the debris of this earth. Just as things of creation grow but also die in the cycle of life, so too our lives have times of growth and times of decay and death. Placing the sign of the cross on our foreheads with ashes is a reminder of this difficult reality, but also a reminder of the presence of God, the grace of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit in all of it. Early Christians were anointed with the sign of the cross on their foreheads at their baptism. This sign and seal, as it is called, 
is a way to remember that we are marked and held as God's own through all of the transformations and transitions that we face. In a moment, I will invite you to come forward row by row as best organized as we can to receive the sign of the cross and ashes. You can, I can place them on your forehead or on your hand, um, whatever you are most comfortable with. I do ask that you please keep your mask on as you approach. And as you come forward, remind yourself with every step that you are good enough. dust to dust. Please come forward as you are comfortable.
I invite you to please rise as you are able for our closing hymn number 269, Lord Who Throughout These 40 Days. be seated. As I mentioned earlier, our Lent series, Good Enough, is based on a book of devotions by the same name by Kate Bowler and Jessica Ritchie. Kate Bowler is a seminary professor whose research about the history of the prosperity gospel and self-help movements in the United States laid the groundwork of her latest New York Times best-selling books about dealing with the pressure to live your best life now when life throws you curveballs that make constant upward achievement very difficult, like the cancer that she has dealt with over the last few years. In the Good Enough Book of Devotion, she and Jessica offer wonderfully graceful invitations to seek alternatives to the pressure of perfectionism. I hope that if you chose to get the book, you will make reading the devotions daily in there that they have put together part of your Lenten practice. Um, and if you are able to join me um, either here at Stony Creek on Wednesdays from 11 to 12 or at Clinton on Thursdays from 1 to 2 um, for a small group of trying to kind of debrief and deepen our experiences through conversations with each other. As Kate and Jessica say in their book, a fast is giving up something, anything, 
to make more room for God. It might be a break from social media or Netflix, caffeine. I can't do that one. Um, Unkind words, alcohol, holding a grudge, whatever it might be. If you are someone who has a complicated relationship with restricting food, skip that for now. Try something else instead. Remember, this, this thing in Lent about giving something up, it's not meant as a punishment for yourself or some thinly veiled version of a diet. I invite you to share your intention with a friend to help reinforce your commitment. But again, do your fast in secret just between you and God. Try it out for a week and then reassess as necessary. And so each worship experience will end with a blessing from the book. Here is, from their book, a blessing before a fast. Blessed are you, ready to open yourself to a new joy, a doorway that until now has been hidden. In this culture of acquisition and gain, Blessed are you, desiring fresh ears to hear what might be a bit too loud, who take the next step to turn it down a notch and make more space for God, who discipline yourself with time, intention, and hope, anticipating God to show up in your discomfort, trusting that when we need God, God promises to be there. God, give us courage, give us strength, give us hunger for you. Let this set time of less be a chance for more. Let this fast be an entrance into the discernment we desire, the divine presence we've longed for, and the hope to will that you will, O God, to be who you've called us to be. If you would please rise. Beloved children of God, now may the God who loves all of creation, especially the imperfect bits, and Jesus, our companion along this crooked path called life, and the Holy Spirit who loves to improvise in surprising ways, go with you, dwell among you, and give you joy. Amen.